Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. Watching the video during the commercial break of the the, uh, president of Spanish football kissing the World Cup star. I don't think he gave her much of a choice. Uh, I also think he's, if he hasn't already, he hasn't resigned already, he's uh, hes headed there. John Wilner, San Jose Mercury News, Bay Area News Group superstar. You can read him at Pac12Hotline.com. You can catch him on the Konzano and Wilner podcast. He's joining us now. How you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I uh, am eager to find out uh, what you think of USC's hire of Jennifer Cohen. Let's start with that, and we'll get into some of this other Washington State, Oregon State stuff at the end. But, um, you know, what do you, what do you make of that? How, how good do you see this as a hire? Why is she the right hire? Man, it is just nonstop with the news, right? Um, I guess it's a little surprising that the Washington AD would go to USC, but, you know, at the same time, Washington and USC are about to go into the Big Ten. And, you, you know, it's just uh, like all all the rules of, of physics that have governed college sports uh, for decades seem to be just kind of vanishing. You know, I think it's a good hire for USC if USC is willing to let Cohen do her thing and, you know, run the department like she would run Washington's department or any other department. The problem is USC is, is USC, and the USC-ness, can overwhelm, uh, you know, newcomers and, you know, take things in a direction that maybe you don't want to go if you're the athletic director. So we'll see if they let her do her thing. I think she'll do great. If they don't, then it's going to be a struggle for her. Does this, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley leaves USC. I heard Washington fans a little nervous about Kalen DeBoer ending up at USC. Uh, Is that too direct a correlation or – do you need do you need a little more sample size, or, or is that just normal fretting that happens when something like this goes down? That sounds to me like normal fretting, uh, for sure. I mean, who knows if Lincoln Riley's going to leave? Maybe he'll leave at the end of this year. Maybe he's not going to leave for five years. Uh, I don't know, but I think that that. I mean, certainly, if he left, would DeBoer have to be considered a potential candidate at USC? Sure, but I mean, that's just Washington fans need to be worried about. Boise State, you know, and keeping Michael Penix Jr. healthy this season and not worrying about what may happen at DeBoer down the road. John Wilner with us. What does Washington do? Who do they hire? Do they promote from within? Do they find somebody else? What's their move here? I don't know, but uh, I'm not sure about promoting from within. But the thing is, Washington, that is now a Big Ten athletic director job. They're going to be able to attract – you know, a pool of candidates that may not have been uh, interested in going to Washington as a member of the Pac-12, right? Because now you're on the biggest stage in the Big Ten and you got uh, unlimited resources, uh, you know, down the road. So I think they're going to have a great pool of candidates. I think that they probably ought to, you know, maybe look around in the in the region. Scott Barnes at Oregon State, former Washington Athletic Department employee, Pat Shun would be an interesting uh, decision for them, the Washington State AD. 
but you know they're they're going to have a lot of a lot of choices. If DeBoer is interested is involved, which I assume he would be, you know Terry Toomey is the AD at Fresno State. He hired DeBoer in what 2020 uh, to be the football coach there. So if they have a good relationship, you may think that you know maybe Toomey's going to be a candidate in Seattle. The uh, the hire of the first woman to be athletic director at USC comes in the wake of Mike Bowen resigning after being accused of you know perpetuating a hostile work environment and sexually harassing people. Is that part of the hire of Jen Cohen in USC's eyes, or did they just hire the best AD they could find? Well, I think it probably played a role in Carol Fultz thinking, the president there. It would have to. Whether it's a coach or an AD or, say, a Pac-12 commissioner, you kind of the pendulum swings in the other direction from what you've had. Now it so happens that Cohen is very accomplished and, and certainly uh, very qualified for the job. Did it uh, help Fult or did it make Fult feel more comfortable given what has happened to hire uh, a woman? Maybe it did, but you know she's she can certainly stand on her own. Uh, resume, regardless of what the, you know, the circumstances were before she got there. John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. You had a piece today. You, you wrote about uh, Washington State President Kirk Schultz. He is suggesting that Fox's strategy was to block Apple, and that that helped fuel the Big Ten's raid of Washington and Oregon. What is he talking about? Well, you know, he did an interview, and, and it was an internal WSU interview and posted on their YouTube channel, he, he thinks that Fox may have wanted to keep Apple out of college football. And so right before the Pac-12 was ready to sign that deal, Fox decided, you know what, let's go get Oregon and Washington, bring them into the Big Ten, kill the kill the Apple deal. It makes some sense. Don't you? What do you think? I mean, just on the surface of it, it, there's there's some logic behind it. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, he kind of said, hey, you know, am I putting a tinfoil hat on here it's a conspiracy theory i don't think it's that crazy to think that one business went hey we would like to keep you out of this space now apple's reaction to it to it may be just to buy espn and buy their way back into the space but yep. it's it still forces them to you know to have to make a move and if i'm fox it's a, it's a smart move do you sense there may be some potential litigation involved in this or is he just spitballing no, well, I don't know that litigation would be forthcoming because, he, as he also said, it makes smart business sense, right? Uh, you know, I think that eventually the SEC and the Big Ten need to be on the lookout for antitrust I- issues because ev- clearly they have the clout to destroy conferences and to change the whole nature of college football. But I'm not sure that, you know, Fox orchestrating this move to get Oregon and Washington – necessarily will lead to litigation and and who would be filing that litigation right i mean stanford and cal could very well be on the brink of an invite to the acc which would leave or i mean maybe oregon state and washington state uh would be left and they would file some kind of suit against fox i don't know it seems to me like in this particular situation that might be a stretch but certainly in the broader uh, canvas of realignment and the direction of college football, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to need to kind of tread carefully. I want to ask you, you know, Oregon State and Washington State are on hold right now, waiting for Stanford to figure out what it's going to do. 
the the Cougars and Beavers may have to decide on their own to move forward without Stanford at some point. Maybe Stanford goes to the ACC. Maybe Stanford goes, you know, we just want to be an independent. Do you think Oregon State and Washington State could rebuild the Pac-12 themselves? Or is it too big a lift if you don't have the brand of Stanford in your corner? Boy, I would love to see them try. I think it'd be fascinating, but I also don't think it's I don't think it's feasible, right? I mean, you have to how would you attract teams and attract a media partner if your two schools are in Pullman and Corvallis, right? It's just it's just too big a lift. Now those schools have overperformed their resources. Washington State does as much with what it has as any school in the country. Uh but I just don't see where they would have the foundation from which to, you know, generate the money that would then lead to being able to attract schools. To me, if, if Stanford goes into the ACC or goes independent, and I think we're going to know in the next 48, 72 hours, I think that those schools really don't have a choice but going into the Mountain West. I know people are talking about the American, but that doesn't make any sense to me. The Mountain West is in many ways a very good fit for those schools. And if they go into the Mountain West and they win the Mountain West, they're going to end up being in the playoffs. So there's something to be said for uh, for that path if, if Stanford is not going to be involved in a Pac-12 rebuild. If Cal is involved, does it get enough of the Bay Area market, or do you need the brand, in your mind, the brand of Stanford? Uh, I don't think Cal could do it. Uh, and I think Cal and Stanford are going to go together. together on this. They'll move together. Uh, I, yeah, that would be my guess. I, I don't think Cal's got the the brand to to kind of be the anchor that, yeah. that Stanford would be for a Pac-4 rebuild. I agree. John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. I'm just kind of wondering if you're Oregon State and Washington State, I guess you have to wait for Stanford. But I'm also thinking, even if Stanford says they're in, Wilner, what are they talking about? In for a year? In for six months? In for, you know, a year and a half? Two? Is that enough for you to build something on if you're Oregon State and Washington State? I guess you'd have to try if you knew you had them. But um, I'm still looking at it going, eh, are they better off just picking a path and trying to, uh, you know, focus on what they can control, which is trying to focus on their own brand and... Uh, getting to the playoff, if they can do that from wherever conference they're playing in. Well, I mean, I think, you know, they could force Stanford's hand for sure. You know, they say by the end of this week, for instance, you know, we need to know by, by 5 o'clock Friday, and if you aren't committed, uh, then we're, we're out. We're going to the Mountain West. And then Stanford's in trouble because what if they don't have an invitation from the ACC or the Big Ten, right? And Oregon, and Washington, Oregon State and Washington State leave uh Stanford stuck. Cal stuck. So I, I I think that they could do that, but I think they would prefer to give Stanford, you know, a few extra days here to figure out what it wants to do. Because ideally for those schools in a very suboptimal situation, ideally, you know, they're gonna rebuild the pack four, I would think. But but they could certainly give a deadline and and you know, they've got a place to go. They know they can go to the Mountain West. Stanford may not have a place to go. Same with Cal. Eh? We don't know for sure about the ACC. My guess is that those two schools are going to get invitations from the ACC, but I think it's like 55-45 or 60-40 at this point. So in some ways, they're better off 
than Stanford and Cal because they know they can go into the Mountain West. John Wilner with us. Finally, Wilner, Dan Landing, Oregon football coach, addressing media after the team's scrimmage over the weekend on Saturday. Um, he got testy with reporters. I'm going to play this. You've been in a lot of these scrums. I want you to listen to it and tell me maybe uh, we can talk about what we're hearing here. Are there a few factors that you think kind of were really key for the defense being better early in the day than they were last Saturday? They played better. I mean, I think that's the main factor. In, in what ways? Like, can you get into specifics of? Well, when the offense doesn't get a first down, the defense stops them. You like, you guys are really digging in on this. Like, they played better at the beginning of the scrimmage. Is that something you challenge them to, to see them start? I mean, I challenge every one of our players to play better. You noted four turnovers last week. You said there were a couple today. How many, yeah. how many were there today? I'm not telling you. Right. There were some turnovers. <laughs> Dan Lanning's been asked about the defense, asked about the defense, asked about the defense. He's tired of being asked about the defense. But what do you make of that? What I make of it is it's, what, the third week of camp, and uh, he's ready to play, and everybody's ready for the season to start. You know, I, I would think that every – Every coach, major college coach in the country gets testy at some point with questions during training camp because at a certain point there's really nothing new to say, and you got yet you're getting asked those questions. The reporters have to ask the questions, and the coaches sometimes get a little testy, and you just kind of that's just part of the game, part of the deal, and you, you move on. You don't take it personally. You move on, and uh, everybody's just waiting for next week. John Wilner, you're the best. I appreciate you joining us, giving us your time. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me, my friend. There he is, John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. I want to talk about Dan Lanning. What did you hear there as a listener? Is there more pressure on Dan Lanning this season? Of course there is. There's more pressure on Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, too. Do coaches change? I believe they do as they get more experience. I think we've seen Jonathan Smith change. I thought I think we've seen Chip Kelly change. First-time head coaches evolve. I think we're watching Dan, a little evolution of Dan Lanning's game. I'll talk more about it coming up, and I want your phone calls. 503-417-7575. you got to ask better questions, okay? Dan Lanning, he's in midseason form. Got a little testy with reporters. Ask better questions. Come on, guys. Listen to this. Are there a few factors that you think kind of were really key for the defense being better early in the day than they were last Saturday? They played better. I mean, I think that's the main factor. In, in what ways? Like, can you get into specifics of? Well, when the offense doesn't get a first down, the defense stops them. There you go. Like, you guys are really digging in on this. Like, they played better at the beginning of the scrimmage. Is that something you challenge them to, to see them start? I mean, I challenge every one of our players to play better. There, you noted four turnovers last week. You said there were a couple today. How many, yeah. how many were there today? I'm not telling you. There were some turnovers. I don't like the questions. I I also think Dan Lanning's ready to play some games. I agree with that. I want to know what you heard there. 503-417-7575. Carrie's in Eugene listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Carrie, go ahead. Hey, yeah. I So I listen most every day to the, the in the 2 o'clock. Yeah, 2 o'clock hour. The, oh, the local guy down here. He's a duck employee does the uh, Duck Insider thing. Anyway, and so he'll play the Dan Lanning takes coming out of yesterday's practice or whatever. And he's he's been getting gruffer with – it's not just those two, Crepia and whoever else asked that other one, but there's, he's been getting kind of – what's the word I want to use? Testy. You know, testy. Testy, impetuous, I think. I mean, okay. kind of a little bit like – I'm not going to say same, 
like Dame. I got paid. I mean, he's the highest now. Lanny's the highest paid state employee who's still working anyway. Yeah. But anyway, and I mean, he could be. Uh, Cristobal at least had a, a bear sense of humor. You know, I don't know. I, I, you don't think could, like all right. I'm going to leave you on here because I, I think it's good. Okay. But I think Lanny, I I've I don't know my interactions with him have been uh, largely positive and listen and and I liked when you know here that this was just uh, what a couple weeks ago. Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember when, what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. Yeah, that I remember was them fun. winning anything. I, I don't remember them winning anything. I think it was kind of trying to be funny there. <laughs> I don't know. I like that one. Yeah. That was, that was, but you know that know. wasn't that wasn't against friendly fire. I mean, he's taken he's taken uh questions from the, you know, the Oregon press basically. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I also think Carrie, I I I'll tell you this. I don't think the contingent that's asking him the questions is at, I don't think they're asking him hard questions. I think they're just asking kind of the same mundane question that dan lanning told me on media day i I was the last interview he did he had done 35 interviews and he arrives at my radio setup and we're going to do a live interview and i said to him you know on air what are you getting asked and he said oh man they're asking about the defense they're asking about this i said okay my goal is we're going to play a game here and i'm going to ask you questions but you stop me if i ask you a question you've already been asked today Let's see how deep into the interview I can get without repeating. And I asked him all these questions I was curious about, including his team, including his defense. And we had a great interview. I think coaches about this point of the year, here we are, week zero, coming up here. We're going to have a college football game, and then in another week we're going to have week one college football games. I think these coaches are tired. I think they are ready for a game. And I think they are sick of being asked the same question over and over and over again that it's just a boring question. Uh, can you tell us how the defense was better? Can you tell me how many turnovers you had? He's like, by the end of that, he's like, I'm not telling you anything. I don't know. Ask a, ask, ask a better question. I don't know. Am I wrong? Are you hearing a more testy Dan Lanning that is feeling more pressure? I don't think so. I reached out to him after I heard that interview, and he said I didn't even realize that it was causing a stir. Mark's in Beaverton. Mark, what do you think? So, John, first of all, you're intelligent. You ask thought-provoking questions. These idiots that just came like came out of journalism school, they might as well ask you, well, how much did that $20 watch cost? Well, what time does the 3 o'clock bus come by? And I think what, what Coach Lanny should do is, before the next you know, round of interviews, just say, set the expectation. If you guys ask me a stupid question, I'm either going to do one or two things. I'm either going to tell you that was a stupid question or just ignore you and go on to the next one. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm for being tested. Yeah. I covered Bobby Knight, Mark, and I got to be honest with you. I asked a dumb question one time in a news conference, and the minute it came out of my mouth, I went, oh, crap. Like, Harry, you know, like I'm going to get, like, and I don't, I don't think the coaches in this state, and I'll go further. I don't think the coaches in the conference are very – I don't think they're difficult. I don't think any of them are difficult. I don't think any of them are unfair. I don't think, uh, I don't think any of them are tough, intimidating interviews. Um, if you ask a dumb question to Chip Kelly, he's going to slay you. 
If you ask a dumb question to Dan Lanning, he's going to get irritated with you. If you ask a dumb question to Jonathan Smith, he's probably going to accept the question, answer it, and then mutter off to the side to another reporter or his media relations guy, Sean Scheffler. That was a dumb question. Like, he'll, you know, I've had coaches in the conference pull me aside and go, hey, you know, these the questions I'm getting are just terrible. Like, but I don't, I don't, like, we're getting a small sample size, too. Because I don't want to indict the reporters who are there at practice asking those questions. I don't know if five other questions came before it or after it, but what I heard there was a coach who's just saying, hey, the defense was better today, we were better early than we were late, and reporters going, well, why? tell us why they were better early than late. And he was like, well, because the offense didn't get a first down. Like he's just basically saying the result was better early than it was late in the scrimmage. And yeah, I don't blame him for that. But I got to be honest with you, Bobby Knight one time went off in a post-game news conference about how his team seemed to be getting it, taking what he had in practice and applying it in the games. And I raised my hand, I got the microphone, and I said, Coach, are you getting a better transfer from practice to games? He had just said it. Like two questions earlier, he had said that very thing, and I went, oh, damn it. And he said, what the hell did I just say? And I just nodded because I deserved it. It was a dumb question. I had repeated a, myself, and I wasn't listening, and I deserved it. So I don't know. I'll give him a pass. I don't think he's feeling more pressure. I think all these guys are evolving as coaches. Jonathan Smith's a little different. Dan Lanning's a little different. I'm going to give them that. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry Truth to interrupt Radio. the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio show. Thanks for listening.